This is a podcast from Seven Vineyard. Summertime and the living is easy. Uh, well, I guess it depends on how much you've got to do. School holidays, things to do around the house, maybe projects, DIY, stuff in the garden. Ugh, don't, don't even ask. Um, you know, things I feel that I'm pretty good at. But DIY, it's just, it's just death to me. You could give me a whole kit and all the instructions and there's a very good chance it would just come out looking like this. But this is weird because you can give me other stuff that's complicated, maybe even more complicated, and I feel like I know what I'm doing. I've built websites, I've got my head around technical things, uh, school policies and government policies, enough to be a school governor, um, even starting to feel after seven years so far that I'm confident enough to be a dad. Uh, that is a whole story. What is it? that makes us feel confident and ready to get on with some things, but completely paralysed and 100% opting out of others? And does it make a difference to us where we spend most of our time, getting on with the things we can do or worrying about the things we can't? I want to look at a story that Jesus told about this. You might have heard it. It's called the parable of the talents, and it's where we get our word talent from, as in something that you're good at. But talent, in Jesus' time, was just a unit of weight. So this is really a story about big, weighty bags of riches and what you could do with them. Or not do with them, if you felt you couldn't. It's my favourite Jesus story because it says so much to me about what to expect from life. But I've got to warn you, if you think you know this story, you might be in for some surprises. In fact, I guarantee it. If you're not shocked and amazed by what you find in this story and how some people might interpret it differently, I will give you your money back. Now, in a modern NRV Bible, this story is now called the parable of the bags of gold. Yep, look it up. Matthew 25 in the NIV. I'm going to read from there, but just so it feels familiar and not too scary, I'm going to do it with pictures to help you remember it from Sunday school. Here we go. Again, it, God's kingdom, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who'd received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you haven't sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant! So you knew that I harvest where I haven't sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, what do we make of that? Now, before you rush in and say, well, that's obvious, it just says what it says, and that's what it means. What does it mean? Really? Are you sure? I want you to imagine this story as bits in a kit. It's actually like the rest of the Bible. You can grab each bit and think you know what it is and what it's meant for and what to do with it. But there is a chance of getting it wrong and ending up more like this than this. Let me give you an example. One way people have read this story is to say it's a story about work ethics and how you have to be a good capitalist to earn God's approval. God's kingdom is about free enterprise, making profits. And if you aren't up for that or if you aren't good at it, there's no place for you. Now, have I got that right, or have I messed it up? Is it good barbecue, bad barbecue? Hmm. Hmm. Let's try another one. This is a story about the faith you need to get into heaven. God is rich and generous with his resources, not just money, but spiritual gifts. But in this lifetime, he's a bit distant and waiting to see what you do with them. Are you going to make the most of opportunities? Do you have the heart to take risks and love people? God is going to wait and see before he decides whether or not you are worthy of eternal life in heaven close to him. Now, is that one a bit trickier? <laughs> what do you think, though? Good barbecue, faithful barbecue, or bad, we got it all wrong, barbecue, mixed up? Uh, now, now, maybe you're thinking, I don't know, maybe a bit of each. Maybe there's something that's that's good in there and something that we've added in that's not so good. I don't know. Maybe it's just not quite as easy as it looks. To me, both of those interpretations sound a bit scary and a bit broken because they don't sound like the gospel that I think I know from the rest of the Bible. But how can we tell? Well, we have to look at the bigger picture. What else we know? Where is this story meant to go in God's big story? And what is it meant to do? So first, what is this kingdom that Jesus is talking about? Is it just a destination for when you die? It looks a bit like that because in Matthew's gospel, Jesus tells this story while he's talking about the end of the world as we know it. He's at the end of his earthly ministry just before he dies on the cross. And anything that Jesus says about how to join in with him is going to sound a bit deathy. But Jesus didn't spend his life talking about how to get a ticket to heaven. He showed people how to live a kingdom life on earth. God's kingdom 
I believe from the Bible, isn't an escape from earth later. It's a restoration, starting now, of the life that we were always meant to have with God, close to him and empowered by him and joining with him in his work of growing and nurturing life. It is much more about life than about death. So when we interpret the story of the talents, we should ask, does the life it describes look like joining in God's work? Because if it does, that works. Or does it look more like we're trying to impress God with our work and the best that we can do? Hmm, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> what else do we know about God's kingdom? How about this? Do we have to earn God's acceptance to get in? Hmm, let me check. Some people seem to think that there is a special sort of thing you have to do, like a special prayer or something, which I've never managed to find in here. It's a bit of a worry if I miss that. Uh, oh, but there is Psalm 139. Uh, if you've read that along with us, you might remember that God made us well and loves us and knows us before we're born. We didn't choose that. Hmm. Uh, oh, yes. And Paul, Paul looked at Jesus and said, while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. We didn't earn that. Uh, oh, and he also wrote, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and not from yourselves. This is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So I'm pretty sure that we don't have to earn God's acceptance. But then Paul wrote this. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Hmm. Okay, so we don't have to do anything to earn God's acceptance, but he has prepared stuff he wants us to do. So working and what we do is part of the picture, but we can only do this if we get the order right. God loves us and saves us without our working for it. And then we can get on with good work. That's the order. That's good barbecue. If we try and take those same bits but get the order wrong, so we try and do good work to earn God's love and salvation, that is, yeah, bad barbecue. Right, have we got it? Do we know what to look for now in the talent story to check we've got it right? Let's do it. So first off, is this story about money? Well, if it is, it's about a lot of money. One talent was actually a fortune. It was a whole lifetime's earnings. Work that out. For you, it might be more than you think. I'm going to guess maybe about a million pounds. And we're talking about the servants who were given one million, two million and five million pounds. Now, does that say to you that the master doesn't trust them? No, he trusts them. <laughs> he values them. In this story, he's popping away, but he's leaving them with all the funding and everything they're ever going to need to get stuff done. And if you've ever felt, oh, I wish I could do something good with my life, but I can't afford to stop working. Well, this is not about that. This might be what would happen if you won the lottery or someone gave you a massive gift, the sort that you would definitely write a thank you note for, I know, because you're good. What would you do, though, 
What would you do if money wasn't a worry at all? That is worth chatting about. But I don't think this is really about money at all. Partly because I'm pretty sure I'm never going to be that rich. Partly because Jesus didn't spend any time that I could see encouraging the super rich people how easy it was going to be for them to live a kingdom life. But mainly because money just doesn't work this way. Um, only super rich people think money works like this. You know, you invest a bit and suddenly poof, it grows and magically multiplies. Let me show you how money really works. Hey, no, I like those sweeties. Can I buy them? Yes. How much are they? One pound. I've got one pound. Uh, okay. Sweeties. Can I buy some sweeties? Yes, they're a pound. Okay, here's okay. a pound. Hey, Noah, can I buy some sweeties? Yep. Are they a pound? Yep. Okay. Can I buy some sweeties? Yes, they're a pound. <laughs> okay. Can I buy some sweeties? Um, yes. How much are they? Ten pounds. No, no. Money is technically zero sum. You can move it around all you want. You're not going to create any more money. But there are lots more kinds of riches which we can have and which do multiply when we share them. Hey, now I've got one amazing joke. I've got one amazing joke as well. <laughs> can I tell you my one amazing joke? Okay, yep. how does an octopus make people laugh? I don't know. With his tentacles. Can <laughs> <laughs> you tell me yours? No. Uh, uh, Who's that? Interrupted chicken. Interrupted <laughs> So do you see how it works? We each started off with one hilarious joke. And then we shared them. And now we've each got two hilarious jokes they've multiplied it's amazing uh, we can call it creativity and it works with jokes handy household hints life hacks all sorts of ideas we can give them away we've still got them we can share them and we've got more god is creative himself and he loves sharing and he loves being creative and us sharing too and that is basically what i would call his family business creativity growing and nurturing not just ideas but life and i happen to work in a creative business of radio people say i have a face for it uh, but i think god's creative business is for everyone so where in life do you get to be creative not just arts or ideas or hilarious jokes where do you get to give things away and not have any less maybe actually have more. For example, the fruit of the Spirit. Each aspect of the fruit of the Spirit fits this description. You can give it away, but not have any less of it. God grows this fruit in us for sharing and for giving away, investing in others. Let's say, what happens if you share patience with one person and it helps them? Well, for one thing, you've got patience and now so have they. That investment's multiplied. But also, you get to remember that time when you were good at sharing patience. So what happens to your faith next time you get a chance to do it? It grows too. You're a patience person now. You still might not be a DIY person, don't remind me. But the more we do things, the more we feel we can do them again and help others to do them too. 
that's multiplication. That is God's creative family business, otherwise known as God's kingdom. But what about those things that we feel we really can't do? Well, I think Jesus' story helps us here as well. Different people do have different amounts of stuff to share. One very spiritual example, spiritual gifts like prophecy. Do you have that? Maybe you do. Maybe you're confident with it. You've practiced listening to God, letting him give you words and pictures to share with other people. And God keeps giving them to you because he knows you'll keep sharing them faithfully. So does that work the way Jesus says stuff works in this story? The more your ability, the more you use something, the more it grows and multiplies? Yeah, yeah, I think that fits. But what's the flip side of that? Well, if you don't have a gift, you can't use it. But what if you have just a little bit? Maybe you've used it once or twice, but you don't feel that you're an expert. Maybe every time people share prophecies, other people are quicker to do that than you. Maybe they share more of them. Maybe they get, keep getting them right. Maybe it seems to be a thing for them. And you start to think, well, it's a thing for them, but not for you. I definitely feel like that sometimes, <laughs> even though I have shared pictures and words with people that they've said must have been from God because I didn't know them. Um, I still hold back sometimes. And when I do, it makes me feel less able and less confident and less gifted, almost to the point of thinking that I never had a gift from God to do this ever. And that is a problem. And it's not just with spiritual gifts, which can be hard to identify, impossible if we never use them. It's with everything where we look around and think, there's someone better at this than me. There's someone with more of what I've got. It must be their job to use their gift well, not my job to use mine and not be as good. I've got to be honest. As much as I love sharing online, and I think it's really good and encouraging to be on Facebook and use it well, I think a lot of the time using Facebook makes me feel less confident rather than more. It puts me in the position of the guy with one talent, feeling like there are people with more clicks and likes, more successful businesses, more friends, more talent for the things I'd like to get better at. And I have to choose. Do I keep on scrolling and watching them do their things? Or do I take the risk of putting my talents to use and sharing, even if I don't feel it's so good? Even if I might get laughed at or fail? Hmm. Well, if that's on your mind too, I would highly recommend Jordan Seng's talk about this story called The Life of Try, where he says, your call is not to succeed, it's to try. Faith is trying. And I could have just said, well, that guy did a really great talk about the parable of the talents, so I won't. But I did. And I don't know if this is as good. But I know that what would happen to any of us if we take what we can do and bottle it and hide it away, it's not, I'm going to suggest, that God punishes us or stops loving us. But we've got to tackle this end to the story. What does it mean? Why did the servant who buried his talent with his master get excluded from the business, the kingdom? Now, I found a couple of really good ways to explain this. And one of them is a shocker. 
guaranteed shocker. It turns the whole of the rest of this story on its head. And I'm not going to start on it now because we'll be here for a while. And you might lose anything good that you've gained from the, from, the, from the morning so far. So I've done this as a special extra PS video uh, that's just going to live on the website. You can go and look at it there if you're feeling brave and you want to get your head spinning. And start, hopefully, some really interesting conversations. But here's the one I'm going to go with here. Have a close look at what the one talent guy says to his master. I know that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Now, I always thought this meant he knew his master was very powerful, like God. But that's not like God. God doesn't harvest where he hasn't sown. Jesus told his followers to sow seed everywhere so they could harvest some. He's all about the sowing and harvesting. What does it mean if someone harvests where they don't sow? Well, Jesus' disciples actually knew this one. Someone who did that was a robber. Someone who built their kingdom by force, nicking other people's stuff. That's what this servant meant. He's not just saying he was afraid of his own failure. He's saying he thinks his master is a crook. Not just hard, but evil. You didn't cover that in Sunday school, did you? No. Now, if this master is God, as we've all assumed, see the website for another idea, this servant hasn't just done nothing and disappointed God, he's actively turned away. He doesn't want to take part in God's family business or live with God at all. And God's reaction to that is, okay, we'll let you go. I'm not going to force you. It's very sad. Is that what God wanted? No. Is this a punishment? Maybe. But for what? Was the master so insulted at being called a robber that he couldn't get over it? No. The real problem, I think, had to be in the heart of the servant. The master isn't going to force him to do work that he doesn't want to do. But is this a warning about the afterlife and where we're going? Or is it more a warning of what can happen in our hearts when we have all these good things from God and just choose not to share them? First, we start to doubt our abilities. Then we start to doubt that we can do any good or that God's things are as good as we hoped. Then we start to doubt that God can do good things at all because you know, look at the suffering. If we're feeling overwhelmed by it and we aren't feeling part of the solution, then we end up thinking that God, if he's real, can't be any good. But it's not our problem, it's him. And then we might start exiting the world of faith. It's not a punishment. It's just a natural consequence of not having put that faith into action the way Jesus and Paul and James and everyone else in the Bible keeps saying we should. We've never had to earn God's love and resources but we will make them look useless and make ourselves feel useless when we don't share them. And I think that's the warning and the encouragement that Jesus is giving his followers. It's not about heaven versus hell, where you're going to end up, as much as it's about the choice we have now between the life where we see amazing things multiplying and faith growing if we share God's things and put them together faithfully, or 
the risk of starting to think that God is rubbish and his stuff is rubbish if we don't. So, which life do you want? Well, for me, I know that I'm still going to need some help if it involves putting up barbecues. And that's fine. I will still be very talented at eating everything that comes off of it. But hopefully, at the same time, having a good time and a laugh, maybe sharing a bit of joy and encouragement uh, while we chat about it. So what about you? What would you like to share this summer? If you want to process that with some ideas and thoughts, have a look at our website and you'll find some questions from today and resources to help you find your talents. Or ask around and chat in a community group. Or if you'd like to pray with us, we can do that in a few minutes. Join us online. And just before then, let's pray together first. <laughs>